today, picture the kingdom in the neighborhood. Wait a minute. Sounds like I'm doing Mr. Rogers commercial now. Won't you be my How many of you watched Mr. Rogers growing up? Wait, raise your hand. Raise them high. How many of you are damaged for life? Yeah, okay. You know what? It just hit me. I should have wore one of those goofy sweaters out here today. That would have been awesome. Anyway, I don't know if you know this. Mr. Rogers was actually a Presbyterian minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Yeah, and, and it just had a profound impact on lots of people, good, positive morals. But anyway, this week, this today, picture the kingdom in your neighborhood. What kind of neighbor are you? We're going to talk about that some today, about from the Gospel of Luke. If you'll have a copy of the Scriptures, turn over to Luke 10. It starts about verse 25. It runs through 37 is the Gospel text today. It's a great, great section of Scripture. And I just wonder... If I ask you that question, what kind of neighbor are you? How are you doing? Well, last time I checked, we're a bunch of sinners that have been redeemed by the blood of Christ if we've trusted Christ. And I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're just a little sinner. Okay, just turn to him right now and say, you're just a sinner. Just go ahead. Yeah, some of you enjoyed that entirely too much. I heard somebody say, you're a big sinner. Now forget the little sinner. Okay. Well, you know. There's one thing, if I can play on Mr. Rogers for a moment. He, did you ever notice he would go in, he had his little thing with a sweater, and he would sit down and he would put on his sneakers. Did you ever notice that? One thing about Mr. Rogers, he was never in a hurry. <laughs> I was like, hey, come on, man. I'm like, I want a Jack Bauer kind of Mr. Rogers. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, that would have been really good to your neighbor. But it, the, the thing is here, it is a wonderful thing to be good to our neighbors in Leviticus 19, the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, many scriptures we see about what kind of neighbor are we, being that neighborly person. Having a vision for the kingdom life is what we've been talking about in this series, in that if we looked at Luke 10 as we do today, we'll see that there's a terrific neighbor that shows up. He is uh, an unlikely hero. You would have think that the Levite and the priest and others would have been the outstanding neighbor. Honestly, they were, they were horrific. It starts with the Pharisees here, and they launch grenades. I've often noticed that. Sadducees, Pharisees, religious type, they always want to throw a grenade in the camp. They, they want something else. But there is one thing that I see here in the Gospel of Luke. When, if you look down there at verse 25, it says, One day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do? to inherit eternal life. Now, before we just throw grenades and shut the book and go, what a horrible, horrible person, let's think about it for a moment. He was asking about eternal life, the Zoe life. He, his question at least centered on life eternal. That question is not a distracting question. You and I ask distracting questions of Jesus and each other all the time, but this is a, a pretty good question. And yet, the expert in the law, he, he knew he knew the Torah. He, he memorized the word. He, he knew. He was looking for a loophole. He wanted, he wanted to trap Jesus. He, he really wasn't as interested as I, I think maybe in making him out to be. But if you'll fill in with the outline with me today, the very first point, the lawyer wants a list. He's into legalism. Now, if we're not careful, we've been following Christ. We're, we're the religious crowd in time, town. We're the religious type. We want a list. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? People ask me that question in, in different senses all the time. 
They want to know, how good do I have to be? Well, you have to be perfect. Counts me and all my friends out, that's right. Romans would say, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I mean, we've all missed the mark. There's no one, no, not one that is righteous. The righteous one is Jesus. So he, he, but, he, but he wants a list. He, you know, he, he knows the law. He takes out the law. He has it in his mind. He's, he's meditated. He's chewed. He, he knows it. And he wants to ask, what do I have to do, Jesus? What do I have to do to get eternal life, to have life in the kingdom, to, to live forever? And he was hoping Jesus would reduce it to some kind of list. In Matthew 22, 39, I believe, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is always on this theme about loving your neighbor. And we're going to look at some practical ways to love our neighbor today. Love our neighbor today. And I'm also going to ask you to let God probe your heart. Because our neighbor is those people next to us. There are people in the community. There are those people that have needs that we pass by. We'll, we'll set it up today. We sometimes, though, in the church of Jesus Christ, think that the, more, the most spiritual people are the people that memorize the word. They know all the God jargon, talk, and theology. And that's, there's a place for that. We need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. First Peter teaches that. But they, they know all the talk, but they have no love. And Jesus says, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Get the vertical right, okay? Let's get, just write in your notes, vertical. Make sure the vertical is connected to Jesus. That's essential. But then Jesus starts talking about the horizontal. Make sure you love your neighbor as yourself. Make sure you love your neighbor as I love them. And it's hard to do that because we want to get the, the, um, the correct doctrinal thesis, affirmation of faith. We want to get that right. We want to make sure we've got all this thing going right. And that's important. But we're just like, hey, man, your neighbor, you're on your own. You know, in our country, in our city, all around us, there's needs. And, of course, we, we're not the Messiah. We can't meet needs. So I want you to, if you're taking notes, just right there, there's boundaries to what I can do. We're going to read about a neighbor. He gave what he had. He didn't give what he didn't have. He didn't give somebody else's. He gave what he had. And that's all Jesus requires. He says, give what you've got. We, we've all got some things that we can give to Jesus, that we can give to our neighbors. And we have to talk to the Lord. It's called a relationship. And we say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And, and, uh, but the lawyer, he just wanted to justify himself. That's all he wanted to do. He, for sake of argument, he wanted to justify himself, feel justified before God, and he'd been okay. But Jesus wasn't going to let him off. Jesus is going to hang around, mess him up, uh, talk to him about his soul, if you will. So uh, I would always say this. The, the lawyer was looking for a loophole, and Jesus was looking for repentance. If we're not careful as we grow in Christ, before we come to Christ, people ask me all the time, Pastor, can I do this? Can I act in this behavior? Many times I can scripturally give you a scripture, an address. I can tell you where the Word of God is black and white, and it forbids that or it honors that, and it says do that. Very easy. Sometimes there's more of a gray area, although I seem to see more absolutes, but there's areas, and I think we have to bring it to Christ and say, Lord, because... You see, if you go to Christ always asking him, Lord, is there a loophole? Do you see something wrong in your faith from the start? Lord, is, is there something I don't have to do? Like, I have to love Samaritans? Come on, Jesus. I'm a Jew. I'm a good practicing Jew that loves synagogue and loves the Torah and loves the law, but I don't like half-breeds, Jesus. Well, okay, let's put it up in our day. Lord, I'm a racist. I'm prejudiced. Lord, I'm a socialist. Lord, I'm this, I'm that. And Jesus goes, I want to talk to you about that. It's not sufficient. That's not acceptable in my kingdom. I want you to love those like you and that aren't like you. 
You know what I think Jesus would say? You're obligated to love. Because God has lavished such a great love out on you, you love others with the same love that you've received. Agapo. That agape love of Christ. It's real easy, right? <laughs> no, it's not. Because, you know, they, the, the lawyer here, the expert in the law, he just wants to say, let's just major on the law. Jesus is like, no, I want to go much deeper than the law. I want you to love your neighbor. Because when you love your neighbor, you show that you love me. So there's a rabbinical rabbi debate in the day, and they're going through, you can love this, you don't have to love that. And I'm sure they would gather around temple, and, and, and if you get in extra sources, extra biblical things, you can see the great minds of the day. And, and it's not changed a lot in 2014. People still will want to debate Scripture. But I think Jesus just goes, you know what? I don't like religious snobbery. I don't like prejudice. I don't like racism. I don't like sin. I died for sin. I love man. I've called you to be like my son, Jesus Christ. That means you're obligated to love. But Jesus, Jesus, they, they don't look like me. They don't smell like me. They don't drive like me. They don't, they don't live in my neighborhood. They don't go to my school. They don't work in my place. God, they don't do anything like me. I don't want to. And Jesus like, I know, I know, I know. I've died for them just like I died for you. Amen. And, and I want you to love them just like I love you. I want you to agape them. I want you to prove your faith today. Oh, Jesus. And let me tell you, this message today, this is so simplistic. Oh, man, this is simple. Bottom shelf, get the cookie today. Impossible in your own strength to do it. But in the strength and grace of Jesus, you and I get to practice today about loving our neighbor in the community. The Pharisee hoped to embarrass Jesus Jesus said, no, i got the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love me, write this down, love me with the totality of your being. With everything that you are, love me with that kind of summation, with that kind of totality, with that kind of strength, with that kind of energy, with that kind of passion. I want, that's how I want you to love me. And you're thinking, well, man, I just wish you'd end it there. But he didn't. And then he goes into authenticity. He says, now I want you to go horizontal. Now I want you to love. I want you to master this love. You've reduced your love to the circle of involvement, the people that look like you, that dress like you, that act like you, that are educated like you, but I want you to spread out. Man, Nathan and Charity and Adam and Melissa are some of my common day, local day heroes that demonstrate this to me as they've given their life away for the gospel to move somewhere that's very different than Montgomery, Alabama. I'm getting ready to go for my fifth time down here, but I've been all over the world. I've been honored to preach the gospel. I love going to other places and yet God called them to live there for seasons and share their life. So let me say this to you. I, I'm not trying to say that we all have to do that because we don't. Jesus has got a lot of different places for us to go. But we all got a neighbor. Does everybody in this room have a neighbor? Okay, let me ask this question. Is everybody in the room breathing today? Just hold your hand up. Okay, I, I look, 100%, for 100%. Hey, right there on video, are you living today? Okay. Then you got a neighbor. But you know what? The neighbor is not so much physical locale, the person next door to you. It's everyone. Here we go. Oh, man, I'll go ahead and get ahead of myself, but this will work. I'm driving down the road, man, booking it. Somebody's got a flat tire. Oh, man, do people ever have flat tires at convenient times? And how many of you were in the house of God? Let's don't lie. How many of you go, hey, glad it's not me. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you pass by them. You ever pass by anybody with a flat tire? You ever stop for somebody with a flat tire? Nobody? Okay, wow, we got a lot of work to do. Okay, all right. I have a rule. If it's a woman, stop. Okay, because 
because they need help, you know. I mean, there's some women, they can change them better than men, but a lot of times they just look at it and go, this is a car. All right, all right we're, we're going to help you with that. All right. So the path here is we can't earn our salvation. It's a path of holiness, but it's not just believing the right stuff. It's doing the right stuff. It's, it's the Jesus thing. Look at the second point. Do not practice sin management. A lot of times I think we practice sin management. Like, my sin's not as big as yours, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself look good, and I'm going to kind of get this thing under control, and I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to do these behaviors, and there's somehow I'll be more accepted in Christ. And, and, and that's, So Jesus' concern was not identifying who our neighbor is, but whether or not we are acting in a neighborly way to others, regardless of who they are. So regardless of who other people are, that's who Jesus wants me to love. And you're like, wow, man, Jesus, like, he means everybody? I mean, Jesus means everybody. Every time I look at it, I look at it in the Greek, I look at it however. Like, you know what? Quit posing. Quit getting in a spiritual pose. Be the real deal. Die that I can live. Die that you give your life away. Offer your life as a, as a sacrifice, a pleasing aroma to Christ. Love others. So this week, we're, I just ask you and me, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at God, make me more sensitive, make the church more sensitive, help us to look out for people outside of our little scope of influence and world, and see if there's somebody I can help. I promise you, every one of us, we're going to find somebody to help this week. We'll be able to love them with the love of Christ that he's put in our hearts if we want to be true to it. So look here. So he, he goes through this thing. You must, through about uh, 27, 28, and then Jesus says, right, but do this and you will live. Verse 29, the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He's always asking, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? I, I think I've tried to explain to you who I think our neighbor is. So let's move past that. Let's, uh, like, all I know is when we get to this next story, this man is in need of triage. This man is beaten up. He's left. He's bruised. He's bleeding. He's hurting. He's a Samaritan. He's on the Jericho Road. Man, he needs help. And there are a lot of people I meet every week that are on the Jericho Road, and so do you. There's a Jericho Road today. It's 17 miles between Jerusalem and Jericho. I just want you to write down 17 miles. There's 17 miles around us. There's 17 miles to this. There's 17 miles of that. I don't know. There's somewhere that Jesus wants us to connect from here to there. He wants us to connect with other people. And for centuries, people there, it, it, it drops like in 3,600 feet of sea level. It's, it's kind of a, a, a tough road. There's 17 miles of violence and oppression. There's 17 miles of border between Angola, Israel, Palestine, where thousands upon thousands have been killed. There's 17 miles all, all through there, 17 miles. All I know is Jesus says, I want you to hit the Jericho Road. He's, he's walking here. It says here, Jesus replied with the story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to where? Where's he traveling to? I just told you. Where's he traveling to? Good. Well, make sure you're awake. And he was attacked by bandits. Man, he got whacked. The mafia hit him. It's not the mafia. Okay, that's too loose. Okay. What did they do? Then they did what to him? They didn't just attack him. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. They left him half dead beside the road. This is not a very good situation, is it? A mugger. Takes him out. Doesn't care about him. And I think about you and I, man, where, where do we find ourselves in a place of oppression? And yet, we want to go back to this. I do, and I think you do. I just want to make sure I got the God thing right. I want to say the right words. I want to do the right things. I want to have the right liturgy. I want to do all this right. I want to go to Sunday. I want to go to church every Sunday. I want to go to a small group. I want, I want to give my tithes. I want, to, I want to do these good things. These are important. They're scripturally laid out. We need to practice those. I don't want to diminish that. We practice the disciplines of the faith. It's important. And then Jesus says, but I want you to love. 
I just want you to love others, Keith. I, I, church, I, I want you to love others. I want you to take risks. I heard a story years ago, and ne- I've never forgotten it. And this week studying this, I thought I'd bring it back. There was a professor at Harvard Divinity School, and he was teaching men and women about the scriptures. And he, he came to the New Testament section that we're reading today, and he, he had this uh, test form, and it was three hours long. Being a moral Christian in an immoral society, and he wanted them to write. And they wrote and they wrote. And when you go to seminary, that's what you do. You write and you write and you write. You read, you write, you read, you write, you write, you preach, you write, you critique. It, it's just, it's laborious, okay? And, uh, but, you know, they're preparing you for what you're going to do the rest of your life. But this guy, he, he's doing this. And, he's, and, and halfway through the test, these students are just fiercely writing. And halfway through the test, he says, all right, everybody put their pens down. Everybody put them down. And what I want you to do is I want you to have a 10-minute break. I want you to walk out. I want you to have coffee. I, I want you to have a donut. I want you to go to the CCC coffee bar. I'll, I just made that up. I want you to go out 10 minutes, and I want you to come back in. Students are like, man, this is great. So, so they walked out. Man, their minds were exploding. They wrote as fast as they could. And what they did is there, there was this person outside, and, and, and they were just kind of slumped over in the side, and they were bleeding and all beat up. And the students walked by, and they'd been writing about being a moral person in their moral society. And they went, oh, man, tough. And they wrote by, and they all said, oh, should we help them? No, man, we're busy. And everybody's like, man, we got to take this test. got to take this test. And, man, they finally finished, and they all walked back into the classroom, and they sat down, and they picked up the pens, and they all started writing again. They were writing, they were writing. Three hours in, and they all turned in their papers. Finished. A couple of days later, a professor comes in. They all got F's on their paper. F? Do you know what kind of student I am? I'm a good writer. No, all y'all failed miserably. The real test was what I had set outside as an illustration. Nobody paused and stopped to help the man in need. You've all failed this test. You're like, whoa, I'm glad I didn't go to that seminary. I'm glad I didn't go to that seminary either. Here's for you and I. How are we doing as a church? We take the test. People are out there outside the walls. When we leave here today, we're going to run into them all over. From here to next Sunday, we're going to run into people. And Jesus will go, are you passing the test? Are you going with me? Are you, are you doing the right thing? Are you on the Jericho Road? Are you, are you letting religion stay in the way? Martin Luther King, I, I read this. It's a great quote. It's kind of sobering. He said, the priest and the Levite asked, If I stop to help him, what will happen to me? The Samaritan asks, if I don't stop and help him, what will happen to him? Mm, Write that down. If I don't stop and help, what will happen to them? The Bible says the Samaritan had compassion. Had great compassion. And I know I fall miserably in this compassion quotient. And I'm trying to say, God, I, I want to learn this. I've been, I've been reading this all week and about how I love my neighbor. And, of course, I want eternal life. I want you to have eternal life in heaven with Jesus. But then I'm thinking, Lord, I pass by countless numbers of people every day. And uh, do I stop? And I do stop sometimes. And many times I don't. And Jesus is just calling us as a corporate body of Christ to begin to respond, to be sensitive and open to the Holy Spirit and take risks. And I, I've learned this about the new generation they, they love compassion. They love to be activists. They, they love to participate. They love to go out and do the deeds of Jesus, not just sit in buildings. 
And there's a time for this, and we need this, and training, and righteousness. Man, God uh, incorporated, he calls us to do what we're doing every week. I encourage you to do that. But when we leave here, we break the huddle, and we go, Jesus, I want to honor you. Um, The story of the father, uh, the prodigal son, the Bible says the prodigal son has squandered all the wealth, and he's down the road, and the father's walking, and he looks out, and the Bible says he had great compassion. I read the Gospels, and Jesus would go into this village and that village, and it says, and Jesus had compassion on the multitudes. He had compassion on the leper. He had compassion on the blind. Jesus is, just read the Gospels. Jesus is always having compassion. And I'm thinking, wow, compassion must be the heart of Jesus. How well did I do? So just right there, a little test. How well are you doing? Do you have a lot of compassion? Some of you have amazing compassion. We could learn greatly from you. And some of you probably know that, hey, I'm not very good. Let me just give you some verses. Matthew 14, Matthew 15, Matthew 20, Mark 1, 40 through 41. All these passages just illustrate Jesus demonstrating the love of Christ, the love of the Father, getting involved, moving... I would say this, compassion always turns into action when it's biblical. Compassion moves you and out of action. And uh, so, God, we want to be compassionate Christ followers. In verse 31, in one translation, it says, and here it says, by chance a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, by chance, he crossed the other side of the road and he passed him by. The priest, that's people like me and Jeff and Blake and the, and the people that serve you here. I know y'all are like, y'all ain't very good priests. But hey, we're, we're a part of the priesthood of believers, all believers in Christ. And he's called us as roles as pastors, the shepherd. But anyways, the, the priest, man, the priest flunked. Look at verse 32. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he passed by on the other side. Hey, strike two. He didn't do very good. Verse 33. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion. And he going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with the olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man in his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If this bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Wow. I know, we, we hear this story, we hear it in Sunday school. Our, we'll teach our preschoolers about the Good Samaritans. We'll teach our teenagers about the Good Samaritans. We'll teach our adults, and we'll go, nice little story, Pastor, wonderful sermon. Where are you going to lunch? Bye. God, don't let us close our hearts to the Good Samaritan. You know, the hero, I thought would have been the priest or the Levite, the temple assistant. The hero is the half-breed, the Samaritan. An outcast. He's the one important to Jesus. Uh, you know, Luke 9, right before we're reading here, Jesus is on a journey with the disciples, and there's not a lot of hospitality there. And, and they're asking, hey, Jesus, bring down fire and consume the whole village. You know, these disciples are really not very nice sometimes. If, I mean, we give them a lot of credit, and they do a lot of wonderful things. But sometimes they're they just like, hey, Jesus, we are mafia. We are hitmen. Whack them, Jesus wrong i mean can you imagine how many times jesus probably just went off and shook his head and go father i don't think they get it but you know what before i pick on these guys of scripture i think i'm a lot like them pk you're not getting it you don't really get this thing but i'm gonna give you another chance so look at point three compassion starts in two places it starts in your vision and it starts in your heart You see, the Bible says the Samaritan saw. 
He saw. He had vision. He located it. He, he zeroed in. And you and I, that's where compassion starts. It always, always starts with our sight. We see the need. But then it has to do something else. Then it goes to our heart. Then he says he felt. He had compassion on the, on the man. As he journeyed, he, he, he saw that need. He moved toward the need. He, uh, you know, he wasn't medically trained, but he bound up his wounds. There's nine action verbs here. It's an important thing. There's activity going on. He's moving toward the man at his own personal cost. He says, you're my neighbor, and he loves him. Now, let me say this. You love your neighbor, it's going to cost you. It's always going to cost you. It costs to follow Jesus. I would not be an effective preacher of the gospel if I didn't tell you it costs to follow Jesus Christ. And the church said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. It costs the cost of discipleship. It's going to cost you something to follow Jesus. It's going to cost you down to your flesh, to your desires, to your dreams. It might cost you just a little money, some strength, finances, mental capacity, physical capacity. It just costs. And Jesus says, that's okay. I'm going to strengthen you. Give what you got. Just get, offer that. I'm asking you to offer what somebody else has got. Offer what you've got. Show me. Move my heart. Love happens when you and I see the need and move toward it. And so this whole passage, I read it's all about the vertical, and that's cool. But then Jesus says, but I want you to love the people next to you. I want you to love the people in the community. I want you to love the person that comes in your store. I want you to love the person that comes to your cubicle. I want you to love the person at Publix. I want you to love that person at Costco, and, and they've got a flat tire, or they, they need jumped off. Or, or did you see, there's like a theme in this thing. Every, every little mom was losing their toys. And you know what? I can identify. If you've got a baby, they're like just throwing them out. You know what I'm saying? And compassionate people go, Hey, shouldn't have had kids. See ya. No! You stop and you pick up the toy and you hand it to them. You're like, oh, I, I'll be on that. I'll be on that one, Pastor. I'll be good to moms that drop their toys. Oh, gee, aren't you kind? But there'll be some other needs. There'll be some people that are going to be bleeding emotionally and physically and spiritually and whatever, physically, whatever. I read a story about a guy named Craig Phillips that blew me away. He was a Chicago corporate entrepreneur, big determination, big drive, Fortune 500 company, climbing the ladder, corporate man was going to make tons of money. And one day he had an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus just messed him all up. And it was, it was awesome. He's, he says, I, I love what it says. It says he encountered Jesus on the way to work. One morning I was on my way to a beautiful corporate office, nice clothes, big you know, ties, big car, expensive shoes, whatever. I walked by the alley. I saw a broken man lying underneath an elevator the hot air coming out for warmth to warm the man. Chicago, like most metropolitan centers, is a curious mix of elite and poor, very, very poor. So Craig encountered poverty and brokenness day after day after day. He says, but that day, I stopped dead in my tracks and I couldn't move any farther. And he says, I went up to the man and I asked, is that you, Jesus? Is that you? Of course, the man kind of freaked out and says, no, it's, I'm not Jesus. But the encounter transformed Craig's mindset and his look for people that weren't like him, that were hurting, that needed a focus of the eternal. And he began to serve, and he helped start two churches, and he started volunteer missions, the Wayside Cross mission in the suburbs of Chicago. And he just became this really compassionate, contagious disciple of Jesus. And he started looking for the down and out, the distraught, the marginalized, the poor, the people that were hurting and it just prepared him, and he just said, I've got to do something different. Now, I just thought about us, like, we don't live in a big city. I mean, Montgomery's not compared to Chicago. Do I have a witness? 
But we do have a wonderful city, and we have wonderful people, and we have commerce, and we have needs, and we're going to walk by people, and we could just blow by them, or we could stop. And say, Jesus, is that you? When you've done unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Man, I read those words, and I go, Jesus, man, I, I, don't, I fall so short. So it, every time we see that, we have an opportunity to encounter the risen Christ and, and minister wholeness to him. Stop in our tracks. And the question is, how well we do it? Fourth thing, look at this quickly. We learn compassion by touching pain. You, the Good Samaritan learned compassion. He had it in his heart, I think. But he learned it by touching pain. And when you and I touch people that are in painful places, we are the good neighbor. This isn't just physical acts, and that's certainly a part of it. It's being a friend. It's listening it's speaking words of life. It's speaking scripture. It's praying over people. It's helping people. Uh, I, I know this. Most of us love ourselves. We're tender to ourselves. How about the other person? And I read this from Dan DeHaan. It says, Lord, help me see the heartfelt needs of those within my care and grant that through my words and deeds, your love with them I'll share. Isaiah, the prophet in the 58th chapter, the 10th verse, just a great passage. Write down Isaiah 58.10. Look at this this week. If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. I don't know about you, but I want my light to rise up. I want the light of Jesus to rise up in my being. I want it to rise up in you. I want it to rise up in the church. And God gets blessed as we touch him, as we touch his world, as we bless others. If you wonder why God seems far away, could it be that you and I have ignored those that he called us to care for? Just a thought. If Jesus seems kind of distant than he maybe was as a youth or young adult or five years ago or last month, ask, have you slowed down, stopped, encountered Christ, and go, Lord, you're calling me to minister to that person. So many of y'all do that so well. I want to encourage you. I want to affirm you. I want to learn from you. And some of us probably don't do it as well as others, and we could be an encouragement, move toward the opportunity, and have compassion, and let the kingdom break out and do the things that Jesus feels the message question right here in the middle of the page, what kind of neighbor are you? Simple question. This is not a message of condemnation. It's a message of uh, observation, to look, to search, and say, God, I'm not a very good neighbor. Don and I moved a few months ago, and one of my goals this spring is, is to try to figure out my new neighborhood, to try to figure out how to have more relationships. Y'all know I love people. <laughs> Anybody figure that out? And I like to talk. I think you figured that out. And, uh, and on our street, we've learned an interesting thing. We have a lot of international families. Matter of fact, the family on one side of us, they're Jamaican. Beautiful English. Speaks better English than I. Not very hard to do that. Beautiful. Person on the other side, Asian family, doesn't speak English, and they smile at me and wave all the time. Very frustrating for PK, Okay. And just down the street, I just kind of see different people. So this spring, I'm just saying, Jesus, how can I be a good neighbor to people in the neighborhood? So here, here's your homework today. Are you being a good neighbor in your neighborhood? Some of you are like, I don't even like my neighbors. Well, we got a bigger problem here. Let's start over the service again, okay? Let's begin to pray for our neighbors. Got a witness? Let's pray for those in the cul-de-sac, in the street, those around us. And then as we move out in the community, Jesus. Here it is. I want you to see this real quick. There's three little points I want you to write in. Stranger, acquaintance, relationship. People are strangers. There's all kinds of strangers. There's strangers in this room to you. It's okay. 
And then it moves over into an acquaintance. You go, oh, we got a church together. You have a CCC decal on your car. Hey, good plug. Here, go get those, okay? So they're a stranger. Now they're in the club. You're in the CCC club. You're in the triple C club. Be my neighbor. Hey, buy my lunch, okay? All right. So stranger to acquaintance. And acquaintance moves into what? Relationship. Jesus just wants us to build some healthy, cultivate some healthy relationships for the kingdom. My whole prayer is we want to see 300 come to Christ this year through the ministry of Christ Community Church. And the only way I know it happens is strangers become acquaintances and acquaintances become relational people that we care about their soul. Amen? So Lord, help us to get a new view of who you are. So I could keep moving, but I want to give you the last thing here. You cannot touch your neighbor's heart without anything less than your own. Right in there, your own. Uh, you, you really can't touch your neighbor's heart with somebody else's heart. You got to touch it with your heart. The scripture says, give me clean hands and give me a pure heart. It's my cry for my soul. It's my cry for you. And Lord, may I touch other people with the heart of Jesus. I can't touch them with Nathan's heart. I can't touch them with Bob's heart. Can't touch them with Joe's heart. Can't touch them with Susan's heart. Can't touch them with Lauren's heart. Can't touch them with Donna's heart. I mean, I'm married to her. I still can't touch them with Donna's heart. I got to touch them with my heart. It's really personal, doesn't it? Who is my neighbor? It's that person around us, and we honestly say, Lord, you're amazing. Let's pray together. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Lord, I could speak on this passage all day because you told him the man replied, the one who showed him mercy was the one you were accepting and then you said now go and do the same so jesus i pray that you'll give us courage and strength to go and do the things of jesus the deeds of christ lord you see through our efforts that we want to look good and your vision probes far deeper than that you probe deeper than the clothes we wear and the makeup we got on our face and the places we live and the cars we drive god strip away layers today of self-righteousness and self-delusion and whatever it is and lord let us see who we really are that we're sinners condemned broken but through the blood of christ we become new and accepted lord i don't know why you saved a wretch like me and my friends but we're grateful lord stun us today with your presence and grace lord arrest us change us oh god Lord, show me how to share that love with somebody. Help me to rise up where the Bible says, and when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So today, Lord, I pray somebody would see their need for Christ, and they would respond to the voice of Jesus. Friend, this is all I'm saying. Cry out to Jesus. When you don't know what else to do, the song says, Jesus. Just cry out to Jesus, wherever you are, and he'll meet you. He's that kind of loving, passionate God. Lord, help me overcome prejudice or whatever I'm struggling with, laziness. Help me to love the people that you love and help me to confess how little I really do love. But make us new. For we've gathered in the strong name of Jesus to say, Lord, we need you and we'll follow you. In the name of Christ, amen.